0: Welcome to our Cloth with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Monday. I'm sorry. Today is Sunday, November the 19th, 2023. It's the 33rd Sunday in Ordinary Time. And our reading today, I had it up here. I'm pulling it up again. Our reading is from the gospel according to... It's a long one. According to St. Matthew, Jesus told his disciples this parable. A man going on a journey called in his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to a third one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Immediately the one who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, the one who received two made another two. But the man who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came forward bringing the additional five. He said, "'Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have made five more.' His master said to him, "'Well done, my good and faithful servant.' Then the one who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear, I went off and buried your talent in the ground. Here it is back. His master said to him in reply, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I did not plant and gather where I did not scatter. Should you not? then have put my money in the bank, so that I could have got it back with interest on my return? Now then, take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will grow rich. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth." So, this is a powerful sermon of our Lord. Of course, they're all powerful. I love how we use the word talent. I wonder if in the original Hebrew, well, what did he speak first? Was it Aramaic? You know, I mean, there's our Lord's spoken word, then it's written down in Hebrew, then it's translated into Greek, then it's translated into Latin, and now we have it in English. I wonder if the original word that Jesus used was the same word for money as it is for our talents, our gifts from God that we can use to uh, to to hopefully to serve him. That's what we're going to talk about today. I wonder if it's the same word because it's translated. I mean, when we're looking at the meaning of what Jesus is talking about, Jesus isn't talking about how to invest our money. Although he does say to be prudent and use this world's goods in, in a certain way, but And of course, you know, we have St. Francis de Sales, doctor of the church, talking about how if you are a married person, a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, it is okay. It's part of your vocation to increase your salary. That's good. It's all good. You know, it's not, we're not talking about greed here. But anyway, what Jesus is talking about is we are given certain gifts from Almighty God and we are to invest them. He uses this analogy of investing money. And at the very least, put your money in the bank. At the very least, entrust it to somebody else instead of just wasting it. To those who are given more, more is expected in return. To those that are given less, less is expected. But for those who do not use their talents at all whatsoever and just waste them, Jesus is telling them they're going to hell. I mean, Jesus is the one saying it. This isn't me so instead of thinking about wasting our talents, let's talk about these talents a little bit. First of all, I mean, there's obvious interpretations of this reading, and then there's what I bet you a lot of priests are preaching on this weekend, but then I want to take it in a little bit of a different direction where I always strive to go deeper in the spiritual life. The obvious meaning that everyone sees here is, yes, I have talents. Let's talk about our talents. What are your talents? God wants you to shine. He made you unique and unrepeatable, to use the words of Pope John Paul II in his phenomenology. We are unique and unrepeatable. We're not just made in God's image. We're not just made with incredible dignity as children of God, but each one of us is unique. There will never be I know I'm thinking of a joke when they were cloning sheep. There'll never be another you (laughs) get it anyway, but there will never be another you. And so what is it about you that needs to shine that needs to say to the world? Here I am not in a prideful way, but this is a gift God has given to the world me. I know it sounds prideful and I know we have a temptation to pride, but I'm talking about whatever it is that you do that you do uniquely that you do well. You were made to shine with those gifts. So that's this is the first level of meaning here. Maybe your gift is to be a good teacher, maybe it's to be a good singer, an entertainer, a good athlete, whatever, a good mom, a good dad, a good cook, a good baker, um, good at knitting things, good at I don't know. There's so many things good with numbers, good with money to be able to help others. I'm, you know, we're not talking about greed, but we're talking about, hey, we still need to use the world's goods. And I know I already mentioned that in the sermon today. What are your talents so that you can shine? You know, when there's a bird outside chirping away, God is happy about that. God made that bird to chirp. When it's late at night and we hear whatever we hear, owls, (laughs) foxes, uh, I don't know what are the different sounds, the crickets, the different frogs, the different sounds that different people make. God made them to do that. God made you to sing. I know some of you are thinking, oh, he doesn't want to hear me sing. Yes, he does. We're all going to sing in heaven. God made you to use your voice. God made you to use your gifts. God made you to look a certain way. And the world is more beautiful at the very least in God's eyes, but it should be in all of our eyes because you exist and because of whatever, because of the the dress or the suit that you put on, because of the way you do your hair. I don't know. We're all so unique and we all have our gifts and we're all meant to shine. That's step one here. Step two, then, is what I said that all the priests are preaching on this weekend, and that is how can we use our talents for the good of others and for the good of the church? And maybe individual, you know, Monsignor here, father there is thinking, how can you best use your time, talent, and treasure to benefit my parish? Okay, there's there's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, then we're getting more specific in terms of something that's self-serving, I often we, we joke about the reading where Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and she gets up and she makes some lunch, you know, <laughs> so Jesus is doing something that's a little self-serving there. But that's a joke. I mean, he's why does God heal us? God heals us because he loves us because he is the healer. Also, it's a sign to bigger things to come. Eternal salvation. But look at one of the benefits of that—they got a meal out of the deal, uh, and that's going to lead to the third point. But let's hang on the second point a little bit longer here. What are our talents that we can contribute to the kingdom of God? And I'm not just talking about the parish. I know a lot of times, and I—I don't—I I already think mention I think I mentioned this this week. I don't mean in any way to put down people that volunteer at the parish, but a lot of times. People think that they're suddenly spiritual leaders because they help paint a wall. Now, painting the wall, that might be needed, and that's good, and that uh, that promotes the kingdom of God. That wall is important. Donating all our different gifts to parish life, you know, plumbing skills, maintenance skills, landscaping skills, cooking for parish events. There's so many different things, fundraising Whatever, there's so many different things, secretarial skills, skills with accounting and and finance. There's so many things that help with parish life. Just having connections in town to fix the light on the street so that people are not walking into church in the dark when they come to, to evening events. There's so many things needed. But sometimes that causes people to think, well, I'm now a spiritual leader here, and I'm going to direct the, uh, the life of the parish. Well, no. And that's going to lead us to our third point. But we're still on the second point here. It's so very important that we use our gifts to help each other. Do you have a neighbor? Do you have a family member that needs their leaves raked? I know this is so simplistic, but it's stuff we need to think about. Is there somebody in your life? Somewhere near you, that is lonely. Have you checked to see that everybody that you know and love is is going to be uh, with family and friends on Thanksgiving? Do you by any chance have an extra seat at the table for that person that's going to be alone? The list goes on and on. How do we use our gifts and our talents for the good of others, for the building up of the body of Christ? Because it's all evangelization. Even when we're working purely secular jobs, any charity that we show to the people around us, kindness, even patience, these are all used in evangelization. These are all things that can bring you and that other person closer to God. You know, helping out in town, cleaning up. I don't know. There's so many works of charity that we can do, and they're very important. They're very important works. Let's bring it to the third point, though. This is where I was going with all this. And this is realizing. Now, this is the stuff that helps us to become saints, even though the other stuff helps, too. Realizing that everything was made by God and for God. Realizing that everything was made according to the gospel and according to some of the letters of St. Paul. Everything was made through Jesus Everything was made for Jesus. This entire world and every single one of us is a gift from the father to the son. Do you know that that's why you exist? The father wanted his son to have a bride. And so he created the world. He created the human race. He created the church. The father wants his son to have a bride and the church, you and I all being members of it. We are the bride of Christ. We are the love of his life. We're also his children. There's there's multiple relationships here all going on at once. God didn't make us for cheap labor. He didn't need it anyway. He can do anything by snapping his fingers. He doesn't even have fingers. Well, Jesus does now because he became man. But my point is, God made us for himself. St. Augustine says our hearts are restless until they rest in him. And so, what is the purpose of? of the letters of the alphabet, to spell the name Jesus. That's why they exist before anything else. What is the purpose of bread? To become the Eucharist. What is the purpose of the human race? Well, I said he, the father wanted his son to have a bride, but one of the main purposes of the human race is for Jesus to manifest himself in a different way. It's for God to become one of his creatures, for God to show his glory, but also to show his love, his kindness, his mercy, his charity. We exist, even if we had not sinned. We exist for the Son to manifest himself, to join himself to his creatures, to lead us back to heaven. We exist so that he could have a place to come. Mary exists to be Jesus's mother. That's a more obvious one. But we, we often think of Mary and the saints and the angels and all these things, you know, connected to the church as things that come later in the plan. No, the plan was first. And then how are we going to make this plan happen? God said, well, okay, we're going to have to create a planet earth. We're going to have to create a human race. We're going to create Mary who is the crown jewel of the human race. We're going to uh, create trees so that my son ultimately can, um, well, he's going to be a carpenter, but then knowing that we would sin, that tree then becomes a cross. That's why wood exists, so that Jesus can die to save us from our sins. The list goes on and on and on. Why do I have the ability to speak? More than anything, guess what? It's to praise God. Secondarily, it's to help my neighbor. Why do I have hands so that I can fold them or raise them in worship? Secondarily, it's to help my neighbor. Why do we have knees to worship the Creator? All these other things are secondary that we do with our hands and our knees and our mouths and our singing voices. You have a singing voice, believe it or not, even if you don't have the gift of pitch, (laughs) even if you're going to sing off key, guess what? Unless you're mute, You have a singing voice. And even if you're mute, you're still going to sing when you get to heaven. Everything was made for heaven. Everything was made for God. Everything was made for worship. If we look at the history of worship really quick, I mean, Cain and Abel already had this figured out. Now, Cain was selfish and greedy and nasty and vengeful and so he killed his brother Abel but what were they doing before this murder took place they were offering things to almighty god they were already having the the very very primitive form of the mass okay you can't call it the mass because it's not jesus and it's not the sacrifice of calvary but it was a precursor it was a a sign a symbol of it they were making an offering to the lord of the, you know, what they were in charge of their, their animals and their, uh, their, uh, their farming. So we see in the old Testament, it's, there's constant worship and the worship has a purpose. And then the worship becomes corrupted because sin gets in the way. Okay. But isn't that something that the Bible shows us? One of the very first things that the human race does is worship. Because they were closer to the time of creation, so therefore, there was more simplicity, and in simplicity, there is wisdom. They knew what they were there for. They knew. They knew it. And Cain, okay, vengeance enters in, and now he, you know, his sacrifice wasn't accepted, probably because he didn't have a pure heart. And so, all right, worship gets attacked. Is worship being attacked nowadays? Oh, no, why would you say that? <laughs> so let's talk about it. Bethlehem. Let's talk about Bethlehem for a minute. Why did that manger exist? Well, so many people tell you because that's what the sheep eat out of. No, mangers exist because Jesus was eventually going to come into the world and be placed in one. But their secondary purpose is that the sheep eat out of the manger, which, by the way, is a great sign for us uh, having to do with the Eucharist. (laughs) And we're the sheep and we eat from the manger. We eat the body of Christ. And there's so much else. There's there's all kinds of symbolism and imagery that has to do with that, that stable, that crib. But I just want to make the point. What is the purpose of a donkey? It's to carry Mary pregnant with Jesus. And then the rest of the world over many centuries found all kinds of other uses for a donkey too. But that was why God made the donkey to carry Jesus in the womb of his mother. Why did God make wood so that Joseph would have a staff? Why did God make clothing so that they, the Holy Family, could wear it and be protected from the cold? Why did God make all those other animals so that they could worship him when he came into this world? Why did God make straw and hay? I think you get the point. Why did God make the stars so that they would point the way to him when he was born in Bethlehem? After Jesus does his public ministry, I mean, all those things in his public ministry, why did God make fish so that Jesus eventually could eat them and multiply them? Why did God make, you know, whatever they make sandals out of, (laughs) right? So that Jesus would wear them to protect his feet. Why did God make rocks? And hills and mountains and things like that so that we could carve out catacombs from them so that the Christians could worship when they were being persecuted. Why did God make the ability for artwork and the ability for drawing and painting and sculpting and things like that for religious art so that the people in the catacombs could draw pictures on the wall to help them worship pictures of Jesus being, by the way, held and worshipped by his mother. We see them all throughout the catacombs from the first century A.D. Why does music exist? So eventually Palestrina could compose the most beautiful church music you've ever heard. But eventually, so that in this day and age, we could, uh, I mean, I know I go to the Latin Mass myself, and I, I love, you know, traditional forms of worship, but we have so many today in our contemporary culture. It's a Protestant thing and a Catholic thing. Praise and worship. Why did God make our hands so that we could raise him in the air to say, praise Jesus? Why did God make our feet so that we could stand up when we worship him? Why did God make the, a guitar? I know coming from the Latin mass background, we're not crazy about guitars and worship yet. Have you ever been to a concert? Where a band is playing for three hours, praising Jesus with all their might and using those guitars. And that's not the first time in the history of the world. In ancient Israel, they used stringed instruments. We know this from the Bible. Why did God make those drums? Once again, we might not feel that they're appropriate in mass, but just like in the Old Testament and just like now in contemporary worship, charismatic worship, we use those drums To say, I'm making a noise for the Lord. I love the Lord so much. I'm going to just shout it out. I'm going to scream it. I'm going to bang it onto these drums. The list goes on and on and on. And this is why we were made. This is why everything was made. When you go to mass, I'm always preaching about the mass. Why? Because it's the most important thing we do. It's worship, but it's worship par excellence. It's the son worshiping the father. And we are privileged to enter into that. Do you go to mass and do you think to yourself, oh, man, I have to kneel again and my knees hurt? Or do you think to yourself, this is why my knees exist? Do you think, oh, I have to get dressed up? Or do you think this is why clothing exists? The list goes on and on. Oh, man, why do I, ha- I have a sore throat? I don't feel like saying the prayers out loud. And how, so how many people today don't even say the prayers at all? Well, why else do you have a voice? You don't have a voice for any other reason. Everything else is secondary. It's to worship the Lord. In heaven, we're going to see this. In heaven, we're going to fully realize it. And that we're going to see how everything else is secondary. And all the secondary things are good, too. They're great. In heaven, there's going to be endless charity that we show one another, endless kindness and love and affection. But the primary thing is going to be God working through us to basically worship himself because this is what we were made for, and this is what makes us happy. If you haven't figured out yet that worship is the happiest thing you can do with your life, then you still don't know who you are. This is who we are. We were made to worship our creator, and God made us in such a way that when we worship him, it gives us greater joy than anything else on earth. You might think, well, that doesn't make any sense. It takes effort to worship. It takes energy to worship. Yeah, it takes effort and energy to do a lot of things that we like to do, right? Think of all the the physical, extra physical things that we do in our lives that we enjoy. Get those endorphins going, whatever. (laughs) You know, we could talk about hormones, whatever. But the reality is when we do the things for which we were made, we are the most happy, and you can imagine all these, just the different images of people loving each other, people loving their pets. You know, watch a dog. If you want to learn, I, I, it's not to be demeaning. Jesus even at one point compares us to dogs. But I, I bring up dogs because I love animals. I love dogs. And they're pure. They're pure. They don't have, I mean, the only dogs that are doing bad things are dogs that have been taught to do that or whatever. They're They're defensive because they've been hurt. But watch your pet, you know, the typical dog. Watch how they interact with each other and with their family members. There's a purity there. They love to cuddle. They love to play. They eat when they're hungry. Oh, they love to eat all the time. This is how we are supposed to be. We complicate it so much in our lives. We're supposed to be like, you know, when we bask in the sun, we're supposed to bask in the sun of God, his rays worshiping him, wanting to, it's, it's a word that we don't use with worship, but the word cuddle, that can help us to understand prayer, to be in the presence of God, to be held by God, to worship God, to be fed by God. Those dogs that are constantly looking for something to eat, they know when you're bringing out that bag of chips and you start to open that little bag of chips up because you're going to try to sneak these, that dog comes running. They know that sound. Why does your dog want to eat all the time? Because God made us to receive him in Holy Communion. God made us to receive from him. God made the dog. Well, for all kinds of reasons, there were probably dogs in the life of Jesus, but it's to show us, you know, that longing for the creator, that longing to be fed, that longing to receive that longing for love and the playfulness God made us to play in his presence. God made us to be ourselves. Once again getting back to the second point and the first point, God made us to be who we are and everything that we are is a uh, it's a sign of God. It's a manifestation of God. It's a longing for God. I believe it I forget. I think it was Pope John Paul. It might have been some of his commentators on this theology of the body that will say Uh, prayer is becoming a longing for God. So in all of our longings here on earth, they're simply signs of the greater longing. And when we pray, we focus that longing. We become the longing. We recognize this is who I am. This is why I was made. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to yearn for my creator. I'm going to unite myself with almighty God. So as we pray, as we go through our Christian lives, let's realize who we are, why we are why we were made the way that we were made, and as much as possible, pour all of this into worship. To those who have been given much, much is asked in return, and yet it can be our greatest happiness, our greatest joy. Have a great day. God bless you.